Welcome to This Might Be a Podcast, the song-by-song podcast about the greatest band of all time. Sorry, Pet Cemetery, it's They Might Be Giants. Uh, and here... I've got Marcus Nuccio, the drummer of Pet Cemetery, to talk about the They Might Be Giants song, The World's Address. Marcus, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, what's up? Great to be here. Yeah, this uh, I'm I'm very excited. You're in uh, a line of um, what I've been calling, for lack of a better term, indie famous people to to be on the show, right? <laughs> I don't know if I'm as indie famous as uh, some of the other guests you have coming up. But. Well, I mean, you, you're kicking it off in style. I mean, you you know you're most known for playing the the Punk New Chicago Showcase, but I mean you've you've done pretty well. <laughs> For yourself from there. That you guys were fucking hilarious. I mean, so this was um, for our listeners. Yes, I've written for Punk News for a long time, and we've started throwing some shows. Uh, our guy in Philly, um, one of our head editors, has thrown a lot of shows in Philly, um, and the guy who found one of the guys that founded the site has done a show in Toronto. So I'm like, fuck. I mean, like, I grew up in Chicago. I, don't, I live in Lafayette now, but. Um, uh, I'm like, yeah, let's do a Chicago show. That could be pretty cool. So I rounded up a bunch of my friends' bands, um, and and you guys headlined, and it was awesome. And uh, you guys were – I mean, we should tell them a little bit about your band because I'm not sure how much overlap there will be um, between Pet Cemetery fans and they might be Giants fans, but you might be surprised. So, you, so when you guys played, you had a wheel. Uh, what were you calling the wheel that you were spinning? Wheel of Symmetry. Yes, there you go. That makes sense, right? And ev- so it was in between almost every song, at least, well, you played through, which album did you play all the way through? We played Pets Hounds all the way yeah. through, and then we played Wheel of Symmetry, <laughs> and some of the spaces on the wheel were songs we would play, right. but other spaces were prizes, or, I don't know, just things. There was there was a cake at one point. There was a cake, yes. And it ended up on the floor, I believe. Um, <laughs> and I'm sure the people at the venue just loved that. Oh, yeah, they uh, had a blast with us. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, every time you guys would spin the wheel, it was mostly you. Like, we love symmetry, and you'd spin it, and you'd be, like, brought to you by punknews.org, like, like 30 <laughs> times throughout the set. Like brought yeah, to you, but yeah, that no, was great because I had requested of like all four of the bands be like at least once, you know, just be like you know, punknews.org. It's like, why am I doing this? I mean, I don't know. I mean, the punks, the punk news site is pretty heavily trafficked, surprisingly. Um, 
I don't feel like we have as much cloud as we used to, maybe, because, I mean, we started, this is our 20th anniversary, actually. 1999 was when the site started. Oh, I used to read punk news religiously in high school. I used to read it, like, every day. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, wait, am I older than you? God damn it, I'm old. I'm, I'm 28. Yeah, you're so young. I'm 37. Um, yeah, yeah, I started... I mean, it started in 99, and I got on staff in 2002, and my first review was this punk, this ska core band called Codename Rocky. And every April 4th, I always post that first review of Codename Rocky, which I think uh, those guys are probably all long dead. No, but, no, but the, band is def- <laughs> the band is defunct by like 15 years for sure, but because uh, they were a ska punk band. Maybe they'll have a reunion like every ska band is doing right now. I hope so. Yeah. I know. Scott's the best. Were you ever in a Scott band? Mm. Surprisingly, no. I was never in a Scott band. Yeah. I always kind of wanted yeah. to be, but I just never had any Scott friends. <laughs> it allows for some fun drumming. Like some of my favorite drumming from like Travis Barker and Derek Grant is like from their Scott bands. Like when Barker was in the Aquabats and Derek Grant was in the Suicide Machines. Like, for drummers and bass players, like that is the place to be. Like you just get like go nuts the whole time. So fast, so tight. Mm. Like yeah. rototoms. <laughs> I just inherited some rototoms. I don't know what the fuck I'm going to do with them, but they'll end up on uh, an album somewhere. Yeah, absolutely. You'd be surprised <laughs> how much cool shit you can do with rototoms. I don't know. Yeah, I played them in a Pat Benatar cover band one time. <laughs> <laughs> I just came out on stage for one song because we were trying to come up with a way to get like that cool like eighties like gated drum sound like it was like a gung 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 sound like rototoms. <laughs> yeah. While you're hitting them, yeah, Perfect. <laughs> it was great. Uh, yeah, maybe we should tell people a little bit about um, before we get into the MIP Giants. Just tell them a little bit about Symmetry and how that came about. Um, I mean, we can talk about your musical history in general too if you want. Like. Um, how you became a drummer and all that, and I don't really know of bands that you were in before Pet Cemetery. I'll have to, I'll have to apologize for that. But uh, tell the, tell the folks a little bit about yourself and uh, and your current band, especially. Sure. Well, I grew up in a town called Mundelein, Illinois, which is like a suburb of Chicago. And my first band when I was in high school is called the Please and Thank Yous, oh, and I still play oh, in the Please and Thank wait. Yous. Yeah, I think oh, Best Midwestern are- reviewed you guys too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I've been in the Please and Thank Yous now for like 12 years or something, but that's the band I was in first, and that's who I like met everybody through, because we would do little tours and play Chicago all the time. And Hell yeah. The Please and Thank Yous were kind of like a weird crossover of like emo and pop punk. Yeah. We were kind of doing what like Pup does way better now. <laughs> but we were doing that like eight years ago and like nobody gave a fuck about it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. man. Yeah. You know, I think uh, I've only heard that one record that we reviewed, but it was good. Yeah. Those, thanks, those new pup songs are super good. Dude, that band is the best band in the world. Right <laughs> They're great. Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't know how they could be so like aggressive yet catchy at the same time. It's really a cool mix. Yeah, I was in the please and thank yous, and then I joined uh, or started a band called Dowsing with my friends. Um, Mm -hmm. Eric, the singer of Dowsing, moved to Chicago and befriended the please and thank yous, and then we started that band together. And then while I was in Dowsing, um, we met Evan Weiss from Intuit Over It, and we all started playing music together, and that's how Pet Symmetry was formed. 
Nice, nice. Yeah, I can definitely relate. I, I grew up in Arlington Heights, northwest suburbs. Yeah, yeah. I went to Buffalo Grove High School, and I lived in, uh, after I, I went to college at Augustana College in Rock Island, Illinois, the Quad Cities. And then I lived in Palatine for a little bit after. And I was in a band for a decade. I actually have uh, our bass drum heads up on the wall there. Still oh, awesome. decorating the studio here. And yeah, just I could, you know, having a band for so long with like, especially when it's like your formative years, you know, like a band in high school that goes past high school. It's like they're they're my my best dudes like for forever. Like nothing, nothing bonds you together tighter than being in a rock band and going on tour and shit. It's the best. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Pet Symmetry, you know, what? why don't we go ahead and play a, a, a song or a clip right off the top? What should uh, what should we play just so people know? Who uh, you know? Who they're listening to talk? You know, they can hear your drumming skills and then hear your your talking skills. Right on. I guess track one off of Vision. That's like a good, concise example of the band. Sure, sure. Should I play the whole thing or just a clip? I don't know if there's any clearance things with your. Uh, I mean, everything's uh, streaming these days anyway. Right. Yeah, I have no idea. The song is like a minute fifty, so up up to you. All right. Yeah, I'll play the whole thing. All right. Here we go. Pet Symmetry. Do you ever yearn to be alone? Because I could hate everyone If anyone was here I've made it known My intentions can be menacing Without often saying Okay, cool. Yes, I, I love your drumming style. You're just like, like you guys played at, at the Punk New Chicago Showcase was actually the first time I even got to see you guys live. I mean, I'd been listening to your records when they'd come out, but being here in Lafayette and stuff, I, uh, you know, I usually have to travel either to Indianapolis or to Chicago to see stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, if you guys ever want to come to Lafayette, I will, I will book you. I got, I got a lock on uh, all the uh, little, <laughs> little, the hipster dive bar here. That would be super awesome. Pack the place. Go sick, dude. Uh, we might hit you up. That'd be amazing. Uh, be um, do the Lafayette 
Punk News Lafayette Showcase. <laughs> like we get, yeah. we got two bands, and I'm in both of them. Uh, so um, yeah, I love your drumming style. When you guys played the the the, I mean, you guys played for at least an hour, hour and a half, maybe. I mean, with all the wheel spinning, it took a little longer. But yeah, <laughs> we did a long set that night. It was fun. Yeah, it was super fun. Uh, but y- you got good stamina. You got, uh, I mean, you got a good reach too. You got so, you got some some long arms there, and you got uh, you're hard hitting like the whole the whole set through. It was very fun to watch. Um, so I li- I like your drumming style a lot, and uh, it's funny that you know getting into they might be giants. You know, we're talking about a song that has uh, program drums, which is always yeah. a, a funny thing as a drummer to listen to, especially the because it was like fairly primitive drum machines you know those 80s early 90s drum machines uh so i guess uh, we could yeah let's go ahead and transition into uh, your fandom of the band how did you find out about they might be giants how old were you what did you hear first uh all, all that jazz yeah so my dad is a huge fan my dad loves they might be giants so from you know as early as i can remember he would have the records on in the car or like when we were cleaning the house and it, it was always like pretty kid friendly music. Yeah. You know, and the albums I remember him playing the most were actually Miscellaneous Key, huh. which is that like B-Sides collection. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I didn't know that as a kid. I just thought it was like a record by them. And then he would also play Factory Showroom a lot, which is kind of like a weird, they might be giants pick, you know? Yeah. 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 It's, um, it's funny in, in talking to people because. I will have some repeat guests after a while. I mean, my wife is going to end up being on a bunch of episodes, I'm sure. But uh, it, like, it, I'm starting to see like what records people prefer, and obviously, like those '80s and '90s ones. Like a lot of songs are getting scooped up, but um, like Factory Showroom, I liked it a lot in college. I mean, I, I started college in '99, so that was the newest. Yeah, that was the newest album that uh, when I went to college, and me and my roommate who is on the I've Got a Fang episode. that So Factory Showroom and Mink Car were our favorites because those were like the college era. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I have heard like a lot of like stuff around like the Miscellaneous T Facebook group and around Twitter that like Factory Showroom, people kind of consider it like, oh, it's just like, you know, like a rock record or whatever. But I listened through yeah. it and it's like, it's got plenty of weird shit. And at least the people that I'm picking, like I've got over half the songs on that record claimed. I've only recorded Spiraling Shape. It hasn't come out yet, but I mean, fuck, Spiraling Shape, that song's weird as hell. I mean, it's, it's a great album. Yeah, I don't think it was received very well. Like, I've looked up re- reviews no. and, like, I got bad reviews. It didn't, like, sell much, but yeah, I was just listening to Till My Head Falls Off. Yeah. Like, oh, that song's so good. <laughs> it's fucking best. I love the, the live version on Sphere Tire Damage, too. It is a great song. Yeah, that song. Uh, that song actually ends the. Uh, I've I've been doing these medleys as the theme song for the podcast, and every ten episodes, I decide I'm going to switch the medley. So, uh, yeah, episode ten just came out, and it ends with uh, the ending of "Till My Head Falls Off," which has like the big fucking drum fills into the stinger. You know, awesome. falls off. And like that's a, that's a great way to end the pod theme and go into the the talking <laughs> portion. I'm like that song's perfect. Um, starts with chess piece face. <laughs> Start with some weird, <laughs> terrifying. Yeah, I've already recorded a rabid child episode, and we talk about how fucking scary that song is. Yeah, yeah. So you were hearing like the weirdest stuff, like like 
miscellaneous tea is like even I mean, I'd say maybe the self-titled or the Pink Album, whatever you want to call it, is, has the biggest selection of bizarre songs mm-hmm. or, like, the most bizarre songs. I mean, they always have weird songs, but Miscellaneous T is, like, where they threw the stuff where they were like, well, maybe this is too weird for an album. So it's, like, even weirder stuff. Yeah. So you got initiated, like, with, like, becoming a fan off Miscellaneous T, I think, ensures that you will love everything else because if you can, if you can make it through songs like weep day and all that kind of stuff, uh, (laughs) 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 so that's crazy. So, so you were hearing it from like elementary school age, right? You were hearing them. Yeah. I mean, I remember riding the bus and I had just gotten a new CD player, you know, and my, my dad was a part of those like CD memberships for you. Me too. BMG. So my dad had, yeah, exactly. He had like hundreds of CDs and I would just steal them from him and listen to them on the bus. But I'd listen to miscellaneous tea like all the time. <laughs> it was like fourth grade or something, you know, man, you must've been a weird fourth grader. That's great. Have you guys heard the song Nightgown of the Sullen Moon? What the <laughs> fuck are you talking about, dude? What the, sh- what the hell is that? I'm like, lo- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. What the hell would a kid's been listening to? I don't know. What did rock kids listen to when you were in elementary school? Foo Fighters? Um, it's really into like kid rock. And like oh, Olympus. Jesus Christ. Yeah. yeah, late 90s. Yeah, yeah. Oh, like, yeah. After the punk uh, explosion died down and things got really horrible for a while. Right. Punk was kind of already over. So, like. I mean, Blink, yeah. Blink was still kind of big, right? Yeah, Blink was huge. Right. So, Blink for sure. Green Day a like, little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I've listened to Dookie all the time when I was that. Of course. Age. Yeah, and then, well, like, that, Nimrod, oh. so maybe Nimrod came out, like, when you were really getting, uh, when you were, yeah, yeah that was that was a key record, for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, that, I mean, again, I mean, I don't know about you, but Trey Cool was, like, my first drumming idol. Absolutely, I, I still will gush about Trey Cool's drumming on duty, like, I just was the other day. Yeah. It's perfect. I, I blame him for, like, why I hit the crash too much. Oh, totally. <laughs> Every chord change. <laughs> Just like the way the snare sounds on that record is just perfect. God, Jerry Finn's production is fucking yeah. spot on. Yeah, R.I.P. That guy was amazing. I know. Also it's, did Enema of the State, right? Enema of the State. He did Dear You by Jawbreaker. He did a second super drag record. That's so good. Oh, man. Yeah. yeah. He's got quite the resume. Ooh. Had quite the resume. Uh yeah, so miscellaneous T. So, uh, what was your what were your other favorite? Um, they might be Giants records. You were you were rocking when you were an early fan. Um, definitely bumping a lot of Flood. Sure. And then, yeah, like Factory Showroom. Also, John Henry. Not as much, but a little bit. Um, those were like the main ones, and then a little bit later, Apollo. Yeah, that was my favorite because that was the one I heard first, which is probably why you liked Miscellaneous T so much. It's like the the album that gets you into a band. I mean, pretty much, you know, they might be giants or otherwise. Like, I, it's there's very few occasions where like the album that hooked me isn't the one that has remained my favorite. Mm. It just seems it seems to be how it works, but. Apollo 18 is fucking that that was my jam right there. Like dinner bells, top ten for me, see the constellation. 
I mean, yeah, that's, that's yeah. See the constellation. I think is one of the best. Like like rock. Like they're very hard band to describe. But like as far as like the really rocking songs, see the constellation with the the Dee Dee Ramone count off at the beginning. <laughs> amazing. Uh, so um, so have you kept up with with your fandom? Like, are you still following their albums as they come out? Not as much. Um, I went and saw them with my dad probably about five years ago now they were touring off of maybe like two records ago um, um join us or nanobots it's probably join us great record so, yeah yeah they played like a ton of apollo stuff they played the whole suite like they did fingertips live yeah they did the whole fingertips live which is cool i'm recording um, an episode on that pretty soon yeah, i saw that on your spreadsheet it's so cool <laughs> Um, and like they played the Vic in Chicago, which is uh, like, yeah. yeah, but not like enormous. And just the crowd was in such a good mood. It was, it was just cool. Their fans are the best. And I think that's why, yeah, I've kind of stumbled into a really cool thing with this podcast because having different guests on, like people just love to fucking talk about this band and everyone is so nice and supportive. And like, I don't know, like if you, if you join this miscellaneous T like they might be giants chat, Facebook group, just like uh, every, uh, are you already a member of it or no? no wait, this sounds really cool. It is amazing. Cause you can post literally anything having to do with they might be giants. Like, um, I posted a video of, so with my first graders, I'm currently doing a They Might Be Giants unit with my first graders, and we're going to do a program of all They Might Be Giants songs. And I posted a video of uh, one of my first grade classes singing Roy G. Biv, and everyone was like, oh my God, that's adorable. It's so great. Like, you can post anything. Like, it could be someone like, hey, I just learned guitar last week. Watch me try to play this. And people are like, oh, he's doing so good. Keep it up. Like, everyone is very friendly. That's so cool. Yeah, it's so much fun. And so this podcast is just like the Twitter is just like exploded because everyone is just loves having conversations about the band and, and talking about each other and supporting each other and sharing each other's covers and retweeting everyone's everyone's stuff. And uh, I'm already so this is my 31st episode I'm recording, even though only 10 have been released. And I'm starting to discover that the covers that I'm finding when I go to search for covers of an episode I'm doing, I'm like. Oh, they were already, they are, that's someone that guessed it on an episode already, or someone that's going oh, wow. to guess on an episode. Like, I, I, I tweeted yesterday, I'm like, I think by the time I get about a year into this podcast, every cover that I could possibly find online is someone who has already been on the show. <laughs> so it's like a small but passionate group, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I think it's actually a pretty big group. I mean, they're, they're loved in Australia. And in, okay. in England, I've already had a guest on uh, in Birmingham, England. She was on two episodes. I had a guy, I had a guy in uh, Wodonga, Australia, that did an episode on um, "You Don't Like Me," which is off Join Us. Uh, I had a guy in Warsaw, Poland, uh, do an episode on "I've Got a Match," and cool. and then the, the woman who did "Spiraling Shape," she was in uh, London, Ontario. So it's getting pretty international, and it's. Um, Though the guy in Poland said he didn't know a single other fan in Poland. Oh, wow. Yeah, okay, so let's get to the song. So why did you pick... Uh, well, when we first started talking on the, the Pet Cemetery Twitter, um, you had actually picked the remix of The World's Address. I'm like, well, let's just talk about both. So uh, so why did? So what do you like about this song? Let's talk about the original, the Lincoln 
uh, cut first. Why did you pick the world's address? I the first the first one I heard was the remix because I had miscellaneous tea. hear Lincoln until much later probably not until like high school actually um, really because yeah I, I don't know why it was just a blind spot in the discography your dad didn't your dad didn't rock Lincoln or what he just didn't have it and at the library huh. in my town they had this like double disc like they might be giants comp I don't know if you've seen that it's like yeah. the first two records it's called then yes yes so I rented that from the library when I was like a little older and I didn't even know there was an original version of the song. So I'd yeah. only known the remix, which is so bonkers. But that is weird. Yeah. But this Yeah, song- that's wow, going backwards. I can't imagine. Cause I remember it's funny, the remix was uh maybe one of the and I was never scared off by the weird songs. I mean, maybe in my younger punker days it was almost cooler to me that they had such bizarre songs. Um and uh, the remix was one actually, you know, I enjoyed it, but sometimes like it's such a long CD, the the then because it's Lincoln and then a shitload of of B sides and EP stuff, and I would sometimes skip it honestly because I knew the original first, uh, and then I would hear that one, and I'm like, it doesn't even sound like the world's address until like a minute and a half in. I'm like, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> so to go backwards to hear that first. You were you like, well, where's the whole first part? <laughs> I don't know. I just so listening to Miscellaneous T, that song is track four, which is also weird because wow, you hear it's high placement. Yeah, you hear three songs that are pretty normal. Um, hey, Mr. DJ is track one, and that's just like a pure pop song, it's super great. And then there's like Birds Fly and another song, and then that one, and it comes out of nowhere, and like. <laughs> The remix, like, sonically sounds way different because it's yeah. mixed, like, super different. And I'd be listening in headphones at, like, 10 years old, and it would just, like, blow me away. Just like, what the fuck is this sound right now? Yeah, the bass levels and stuff? Yeah, it just totally comes out of nowhere, and it sounds massive, and it's, like, scary. Yeah. I mean, to me, it almost sounds like... Um... Like, if you had been listening to the Beastie Boys, maybe it wouldn't have surprised you as much. Because to me, it kind of sounds like yes. like a couple you know, albums deep into the Beastie Boys discography, something that they would do. Someone in a club tonight has stolen my ideas.
that's I mean that's the closest thing I could think of. But yeah, I mean I, yeah, at the time I was like, whoa, like I you know you could see it's Joshua Fried remix, and we were talking about this briefly, before, you know, on Twitter, we're like. I've, I didn't really know what a remix was either. I'm like, what does that mean? And I'm like, oh, some guy named Joshua fucked with this song, and it's you know, it's weird, you know, whatever. You know? <laughs> Do you know who so, that is, Joshua Fried? I have no idea. I don't know. I'm gonna look him up right now. Uh, so, <laughs> so yeah, let's talk about. I mean, okay, we can kind of mingle the original and the the remix discussion together. Why not? Uh, did did you? So you didn't really know what a remix, what that meant, really, right? No, because I just figured it was a weird song by them. You know, I didn't really know what a remix was. Yeah. So I just thought it was this weird song that they made, and I was like, this is cool. So you thought it was done by them? Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to send you a, a, a link over Facebook Messenger here. This, this site I found on Joshua <laughs> Fried, which is very... This rocks. <laughs> 90s. This was just the first thing that came up. Just check just check this shit out because visually this is like something some hipster band would would make intentionally. There this is. website here. So I could see some band making a website like this today. It's just like pure like maroon background with just text and like this tiny black and white picture of them. I don't know. It kind of looks like Moby. I don't know. Who is, who is this guy? What, so uh, one of the most inventive performance artist type composers is Joshua Fried, a rock influenced post conceptualist with a steady stream of startling ideas. Says some, says some guy named Shermer. I don't know. Shermer books, American music in the 20th century by Kyle Gain. Huh? Yeah. I, I don't know. Let's see. What, what the hell? Yeah, who is this guy? I mean, and then the second thing that comes up is this when you Google it is the the wiki article about him, um, which has some more stuff, and he's wearing what look like plaid shorts, so that's cool. Let's, <laughs> I don't know. Let's yeah. Let's just see. This is this is how this is how we roll on this podcast. We we don't we don't we don't figure these things out ahead of time. We just do them on the fly. So he's got a whole weird, like, little percussion set. What is he got, like, a steering wheel in front of him? This picture on the wiki. Joshua Fried's, uh, or is it Freed? Fried's? Freed's? I thought it was Fried, but he's probably Freed. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. It's spelled like if if you fried chicken. Radio Wonderland, a musician, composer, and longtime collaborator with MIP Giants. In 1986, he appeared on a split single with MIP Giants. Um, oh, he did one of the Hello CDs of the Month Club. I don't know if you'd heard of that or if your dad belonged to the Hello CD in the Month Club. No, I haven't heard about that. Yeah, like um, it was, yeah, CD of the Month Club. These guys have always been so prolific. But this thing, it was like a, it, yeah, it was like a club. It wasn't just them. Like they released in 1993, they re-released their their 85 demo tape on CD as the first one. But then there was like all these other, like the Residents did a EP, Frank Black did an EP. Um, one of the one of the guys from Superchunk did which guy? I don't know, but like some pretty cool stuff Ooh. as well as like Monopuff put out some stuff. Uh, John John Flansburg's other band put out their albums on that, and then. Uh, um, John Linnell put out his first uh, State Songs EP on this Hello Recording Club, which just ran for three years. Like, for three years, they did this thing where they put out their records and all these other records, uh, a CD every month. Like, how do you... 
How do you manage that in the early 90s? Like, that seems like, like for DIY stuff, that's like a lot of work. Yeah, that's, they've always done so much of that stuff. It's crazy. Yeah. Like the dial a song thing. Yeah, whenever like whenever someone tries to debate with me or someone that's not a r- real big fan of they might be giants be like you know, they're very punk in ethos and aesthetic and stuff and be like they're not a punk band so like well, let me tell you about all this shit that they've done that's like super punk cuz like come on. These guys are arty as hell and they're DIY, they just they're very self self-sufficient. You know, they've been on big labels but they've never really needed any labels, yeah. you know. It always seems like they were kind of in the punk scene. Yeah. Yeah. Have you seen have you seen the documentary Gigantic, A Tale of Two Johns? No, I would love to see it though. I should- oh, dude. The full thing's up on YouTube. The DVD has long gone out of print, but the full thing is up on YouTube. It's called Gigantic, A Tale of Two Johns. Cool. And it talks a lot about their early uh, you know, days in playing in Brooklyn and being the house band at like these very bizarre, like I mean, cause like I think they didn't really fit in anywhere because they were little too artsy for like the typical like rock clubs and too loud and rocking for like art galleries or something like they had this weird kind of in between thing that nobody knew what to do with until they found like this little you know their niche so this Joshua Fried guy yeah he so in 86 he did a split single with they might be giants yeah what is this cuz that was before this remix 89 was the remix 86 Hmm. I feel like I should play one of these. Yeah, let's let's I'm sh- let me see. I can probably find it. So, the split CD 1986, which is that's super early. Their first record came out in 86. It has uh, the MP Giant side, just put your hand inside the puppet head, uh number 3, the 1985 demo version of number 3, and then the day and then the two Joshua Fried ones are one's called Insane. Insane. <laughs> <laughs> and one's called Aria Cherry Hill Mall from Camden and American Musical Tragedy. So hey. this guy, it's it, it, this this guy sounds like he's like, I mean, it definitely sounds like he fits with their aesthetic, where he's like got these artistic tendencies, these more like deep heady kind of ideas, um, but then also just likes to make things loud and weird. I don't, I don't know. I think uh, let me let me make sure I can find a clip of insane. By Joshua Freed to play on here. Fried Freed. I'm sure someone's going to correct me immediately when this episode comes out. Yes. It's Freed, you idiot. Now, people are usually pretty nice <laughs> about it again. Like I said, they're very nice. May I politely tell you that uh, you, we're mispronouncing his name? Man, why can't I find this? I don't know. I'll keep digging. If I can find Insane, the 1986 Joshua Freed track, I will play that. But for now, I just. I, just googling him. Let's play this. Let's just play this top song, and I'm going to listen to a little bit of this. I'll, I'll send you the link. Joshua Fried, "Let's Dance." Is this a Bowie cover? Let me see what this is. Man, I don't even know. Let's just. Oh, so he's like older here. Hold on, let's check this out. Let's let's go on an adventure together here, Marcus. What do you think? I'm down. <laughs> That's a live manipulation of stuff. Yeah. 
there's got that steering wheel. Wow. Man. It's pretty wild. Damn, this dude is intense. Yeah, this guy's... Yeah, this is like avant-garde electronic stuff. It's, that's cool. Yeah, I need I'm, to look uh, into this guy some more, yeah. This, uh, yeah, this looks like it's from... You said Radio Wonderland. Huh. New Music USA is the, the channel on YouTube here that we're watching this. Joshua Fried, Let's Dance. It's almost like a little mini documentary thing. He talks a little bit. So Joshua Fried, um, the remix, like I said before, like it kind of has its own, it's kind of like its own song for the first minute, minute and a half. Mm-hmm. And then it finally gets that little Latin flavor, like the... Uh, like that's the best way I can describe the originals. That's it's like a kind of Latin, Cuban kind of feel with all the piano, right? Yeah, I don't know. How I mean, I don't know. How would you describe it? It's a it's a it's a cool one for sure. The original. Yeah, it's kind of hard to tell. Like maybe they got that from a sample, like the piano part, or maybe they played it themselves. But it's like very weird. Like yeah, total Latin little like dancey piano part. But the lyrics are like. So dark and weird. Oh, that's their it's their it's their way. So that's their mo. <laughs> yeah. Catchy, catchy, but depressing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, I guess we're you know we're like forty five minutes into this. We should probably talk about the lyrics because that's a pretty big thing that uh, uh, is fun to talk about. They might be giants because they will never tell you like this is what it means. Oh god! So no. we need to uh, kind of you know guess and. Uh, it's one of my favorite parts of doing this podcast is just debating or just like throwing around interpretations. And I mean, you know, you're never going to know if you're right or not. So you just, you know, have fun with it. Um, I guess, have you heard what, what the biggest, um, I guess the biggest interpretation that like people have is the, the pun within the title or do you know what I'm talking about? Like the world's address or the world is addressed. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So what are your thoughts on that whole thing? Yeah, I mean, that's... I mean, he says it's a sad pun that reflects the sadder mess. But uh, since a child, you know, I'm like, what does that mean? It sounds like kind of dirty or like something Uh you're... I don't know. It just sounds like bad. (laughs) It's so (laughs) weird. Like, the world is addressed? Like, what does that mean? What does that mean? (laughs) Something worn is what they say. I always thought it was something warm. Yeah, but I think it's worn. I was just looking. Yeah, at it's, the it is. It is worn. Yeah. For the longest time, I thought it was warm, which I guess could you could have a warm dress. I don't know. It didn't really seem like nonsense. And really, their lyrics like sometimes they are nonsense. So right, right. Anytime you mishear a lyric, it's like, well, that's weird. But you know, you could be right because they're just weird. <laughs> um. One of the the saddest. I mean, there's so many sad little lines in this. Now my, t- <laughs> I couldn't couldn't sleep last night. Now my tear stains on the wall <laughs> reflect an ugly sight. ugly sight. Like that's terrifying. <laughs> right, right off the top. <laughs> right off the top. Oh, what we should also mention. I don't know if you knew this, um, and I didn't know it till this morning. That even though Flansburg sings this song, uh, apparently Linnell wrote it. 
which is rare because they typically actually write pretty, you know, separately and then bring them together. Um, there's very rare instances of that. Like Puppethead is another one where I think Linnell wrote the chorus and Flansburg wrote the verses or maybe it's the other way. Um, I haven't done that episode yet, but, um, so that's, that's interesting. Like I'll play a little bit of the, uh, the original demo. Let me see. I think I actually have an MP3. I could probably just drop in for you. Have you heard the original, the world's address demo? Um, that's different than the one on Lincoln. Uh-huh, it's got Linnell singing. Oh, I don't know if I have heard that. I know you deceived me, couldn't sleep last night. Now my tear stains on the wall reflect an ugly sight. I can see your secrets. Everyone will make it when you know the world's address, the world's address, the place that's warm, the sad fun that reflects the sad man. I'll repeat it for those who may not have already guessed, the world's address. So this was played on this weird radio show called the Frank O'Toole Show, which has come up a bunch because it was this radio show they did. This is cool. It's kind of different. And it's Linnell, but he's doing like a weird voice. I like a little, it. A little bit of a crooner voice. The world's yeah. dress, the world's dress. It's like his Al Sink Manhattan voice. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I'll repeat it for those so I have no idea, like, and even on the wiki, like, if the wiki doesn't know, like, I don't know how much you've looked at TMBW. I just started today. I was like, oh my God, it's the fucking is- best. I'm going to have a guy on, uh, a, one of the guys who runs this site is going to be a guest on the show. <laughs> I'm like, oh, fantastic. I'm like, we should give you a reoccurring segment where you come on, you do a little bit where you fact check and correct everything I got wrong the week before. <laughs> But, like, if the wiki doesn't know, like, why did Linnell give it up to Flansburg? Like, what what was the reasoning behind that? I mean, I don't think it's known. And that's kind of curious because they rarely operate like that. Interesting. But, yeah, this demo was originally on this WFMU radio station in East Orange, New Jersey, the Frank O'Toole Show, um, which I just, like, on the wiki, you can download the entire show. Like, they have it. It's available in MP3, a zip. Wow. Yeah, like right here. If you go to, yeah, if you search Franco Tool Show, I think it'll pop up. Uh, and then download from Museum of Idiots, which is uh, uh, some fan website, I think. And I haven't listened to it all yet, but it's got all these wacky skits and these weird versions of stuff. Like the fact that they've been my favorite band for 25 years and I'm still hearing things for the first time <laughs> is insane. That's so like, insane. It's nuts. Like you've been listening to him since you were a kid, but you never, you weren't even aware that this demo version existed. Like uh, uh, for a band to have that much, like according to the wiki, they've released 900 songs, 900, which uh, (laughs) I was talking with a guy on my alienations for the rich episode who he's a songwriter. He, he writes a lot of songs. He covers a lot of songs. His favorites are like Springsteen and Dylan. We're like, okay, well how many songs has Dylan released in his career? 
it's like 350. Yeah. And he and and he had a 20-year jump on them. And then like Spring Scene is around 300 as well. So they might be giants have written more songs in less time than Dylan and Springsteen combined. <laughs> it's almost like Robert Pollard levels up in here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd be curious to see how many he's written because it's probably it's, it's like got to be. <laughs> yeah, it's got to be a lot. I mean, I think we determined that like as far as like pop music goes, or I mean, if you're not talking about classical or musicals, like Woody Guthrie is thought to he he didn't record all of his songs because he was it was so long ago, but mm. um, it's thought to have written over two thousand songs, sure. which which I believe um, he only got like one hundred recorded through like the smithsonian folkways project stuff um yeah okay let's let's look this up robert pollard how many songs how many songs has this guy written um let's because uh, there's gotta there's gotta be a weird fan nerd wiki for kind of my voices i would think oh there is there is Robert Pollard ce- celebrates 100 albums. <laughs> what? <laughs> no. Just on oh yeah, just on this wiki, it looks like he's at 2,514. <laughs> Jesus Christ! What a freak. there's there's got to be a song by song podcast about out of my voices, yeah. or maybe it's too daunting. Yeah. Like people ask me about like with this podcast, I'm like, they I mean they might have giants released three albums last year. They released a song. Yeah. Every yeah. every Wednesday for the whole year. So if they're releasing a song every week and I'm putting on an episode every week, I'm just keeping pace. I'm just barely keeping pace. <laughs> How would I ever catch up? <laughs> uh, I mean, the, well, and they they don't show many signs of slowing down, so I'll probably be doing this until I'll be like on my deathbed and be like, "This is episode 1236. <laughs> Please pray for me." <laughs> It's pretty wild, but I'm never going to be short of content. That's for goddamn sure. Yeah, bless. Oh Jesus Christ! Okay, so so why do you have any any guesses? Why why would this happen? Where Linnell would hand it over to Flansburg? Why do you think that would be the case? I mean, it's very interesting. Um, who knows? I mean, I honestly don't really know much about their dynamic. I mean, they must mm. be very close. I mean, they've been doing this for you know, decades and decades. Um, but it's interesting that you said they rarely give songs up to each other. I didn't know that. So maybe this one was just like so weird. I, yeah. I don't know. They have a lot of, a lot of really weird songs, yeah. but I mean, I, I can imagine maybe just Linnell, like listening back to the demo and being like, ah, I think your voice would fit better for this kind of the, like yeah, it is like a kind of cr- like Latin crooner kind of thing, right, and maybe right. he just thought Flansburg's voice would work better for it. And maybe I agree, but it is really cool to hear the demo. Um, I mean, I really like Flansburg's take on it. I mean, I love the album, the album version. Yeah, let's see. Um, so there's definitely more with the lyrics we can talk about here. So yeah, we kind of we we briefly touched on the world's address. So if you if you think about it in that way, if you go back and, and and listen to the song again, thinking about it being a dress, as in something, a article of clothing, a place that's worn, a sad pun that reflects a sadder mess, and then I like how he even says like it's it's pretty meta to be like, I'll repeat it for those who may not have already guessed, <laughs> like he says, yeah, like I mean it it, it must be. 
you know, what 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 else could the pun be other than the world's address? Because he outright says, I'm singing a pun and I'll repeat it in case you didn't get it the first time around. <laughs> I like this line, this this paragraph that's life's a parade of fashion just leaves me depressed <laughs> under every garment. I can see the world's address. <laughs> So it's what? like underneath everything is the world's either address or the dress that is the world. <laughs> and either way, that's, either way, that's depressing. <laughs> yeah. And either way, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> right. Why, like, why is this thing that you're obsessed about? And then like it gets, yeah. Like, Albert Einstein and Copernicus were wrong. I'm wondering if this is, like, and what's funny is I kind of hash through this stuff with my guests most of the time. Like, I've, it's not like I haven't thought about these songs my whole life, but like really getting into it, like being able to bounce ideas off of someone really gets into, you get into weird territory. But is this about like pollution and global warming? I mean, because right now that just, just occurred to me that like under every garment could be like the fucking smog. And underneath every garment is the world's address or the world's address. And then we're talking about scientists. I mean, but I don't, I mean, it's not like Einstein had stuff to do with, you know, nature or anything, but Copernicus, what the hell did Copernicus do? What did he do? He was, he was a long time ago. He proved, uh, he proved that the world wasn't the center of the universe, right? So, so there, I mean, there you go. That's something right. about the, the solar system. So then, the world's address like so fuck i don't need this is such a mind fuck it's pretty heavy man <laughs> like even as a young kid i always thought that it was just about how nothing really means anything how it's okay. kind of like pointless like huh. the world's address is like inside the dress or whatever is like yourself i guess uh-huh so it's just okay kind of like it doesn't really matter either way. Like it's a sad pun that reflects a sadder mess. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know man. Yeah. I think for the longest time, I don't know if I didn't really understand the lyrics. I mean, I mean, I would have had the, the CD booklet or whatever, but like maybe I didn't like read into it. Like, okay. He's saying there's a pun. Okay. What's the pun? I think I was pr- kind of taking it just as is the world's address. Like, mm-hmm the place where we all live our address this is or this is the world's spot in the solar system as the third planet from the sun that's our address i don't know but and it's still like even thinking about it that way i mean still all the depressing stuff still works like okay we're stuck here this is our address we're stuck in this place we can't move from this spot in the solar system we're the third planet from the sun and uh but he's saying that that Copernicus was wrong. So so wait. So <laughs> the Earth is uh, the center of the solar system. Is this? <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't. I can't figure it out. <laughs> uh, you know, I found this. They might be wiki website today before we started talking. Yep. And I love. There's like twenty one <laughs> different interpretations yep. of this song. <laughs> and and most of them revolve around. Most of them revolve around this. Is it address or address? Yeah. Right. Did you find some good ones? I, I sometimes I'll go through these. <laughs> yeah. On air. What's What's your favorite that you saw? The, 
second one, he starts talking about like, you know, maybe this is about like German philosophy and about like Immanuel Kant formalizing the essence and perception dichotomy and his critique of pure reason. <laughs> All right, dude. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <No>. Wow. <laughs> but like that said, like, yo, maybe like, yeah, those guys are probably reading this like super heady, like hot stuff, you know? I wouldn't put it past him. I mean, even before the kids' albums, they were teaching me stuff. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I know more about James K. Polk than any, like, president <laughs> from before. Like, as far as presidents before I was born, like, or at least before the 20th century, I know more about James K. Polk than, like, anyone other than, like, Lincoln or Washington just because of that song. James K. Polk. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. I got I got one of my best friends to sign up for that episode. I haven't Great. done it yet, though. We were talking about recording on a President's Day. Oh, very good. <laughs> Seems like something that my giants would do. <laughs> yeah. uh, and like I find out a lot about Edison just looking into stuff like how they did all those uh, those recordings at the Edison Museum. Oh, yeah. Those are great. Those are super cool. Yeah. I can hear you. It's just a – that's just genius. Like in recording it without electricity, like that's just like – what other band would like go to the effort to do something like that and something that wonderfully nerdy? Yes. Just because it's cool, you know? Yeah, like, I don't know if it's cool to anyone other than us, like, people that are of their same mindset. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, let's just think about, like, okay, fucking Maroon 5 just played the Super Bowl. Like, if you brought it up to someone who's like, my favorite band is Maroon 5, and you're like, yeah, well, have you heard They Might Be Giants? They recorded at the Edison Laboratory. <laughs> They'd be like, who the fuck cares? You, Who's that? I don't know. You would get a wedgie is what would happen. They would give <laughs> yeah. you a wedgie and call you a nerd. <laughs> be like, no, you know, you've heard them. You heard Malcolm in the middle. They're like, that show sucks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also, that's such a good song. Like it is. I love that they did the theme song for that. They did that, all of the music, dude. Everything. Yeah. 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 Cause they're in some early episodes. There's like straight, they might be giant songs, right? Like, yep. Yeah. Yeah, I believe some songs came straight from albums, but they also wrote a lot of like the background music and like the transitional scene music. Oh, they that's did so cool. Pretty much all of it. Cause I know because I was talking to Marty. Marty came into the band like right in the middle of that stuff where Dan Hickey, the previous drummer, was the one on the theme song. But then Marty got in there and was actually it's actually Marty drumming on pretty much everything else other than the theme. Uh huh. So. And that that I didn't know. I I assumed he wasn't in the band until after the Malcolm stuff. But he was actually did more of the music than than Dan Hickey. He just happened to be on the the most famous one, the theme. Sure, that's uh, cool. There, there's just so much to the history of this band. It's like that's that's why these episodes end up being so friggin' long. I mean, the, <laughs> this song. I mean, the original song is only. I mean, the remix is long, but this the the Lincoln track is only two twenty four. Mm-hmm. They're a punk band. Come on. 224. Yeah, right? That's like perfect, perfect song length. Pop Don't punk. wear out your welcome. <laughs> um, <laughs> I like the the instrumental bridge of this song. Um, and I don't know if you got that far in the demo, but the... Um, the dun, 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 yes. and it kind of keeps going. Uh, it gets a little weird in the demo on that part. Like a little more, I guess you'd say dissonant. So they they smoothed it out a pinch, I guess, when it got to the Lincoln version. Um, but um, 
Yeah, I don't know. I guess I, this song is just, it's turning out to be one of the more confusing songs I've done. <laughs> it truly is bizarre. And it like the fact that it even got a remix treatment too, like why yeah. did they choose to remix this song uh, rather than any of the other songs, you know? I don't and know. I like, mean, yeah, go ahead. I, I mean, that's it. Like why would they choose the world's address to remix? And like, it lends itself so well to that remix too. Like, it yeah. just makes it even darker and more confusing. Yeah. <laughs> I love the, just cause yeah, that whole first part, like Joshua free just seems like a really weird guy in the same way that they are. And I always use weird as a positive cause being Absolutely. normal, yeah. being, no, being normal is boring. Being weird is, is a lot more interesting. And so he already knew them. I guess I wasn't really aware that he already did that, that split with them. And I'm hoping I can find one of those two tracks to play, but so he already knew them. And so like he knew their catalog and I guess it wasn't just some like stranger, like, Hey, I want to remix your song. They already knew him. Mm-hmm. And it was a year after it came out. Um, the remix a year after Lincoln came out, um, or maybe within the year, but uh, I guess you know I'm assuming he had heard all of Lincoln and was like, hmm, which one, which song do I want to remix? I mean, maybe he thought that just that Latin groove would be kind of a cool thing to play with, and I would agree. I mean, once it kicks into the the piano part, right, like a minute twenty five in or something, <laughs> yeah, and it has that little like a doop, a doop, like a little. <laughs> what the fuck like it makes me crack up still to this day like the little yeah. there's like and police scanner samples going on in it like you want to well, yeah. give me a 10-9 on that well yeah then yeah and then there's like that stuff from the song convoy like why is that in there uh, that's what it's from yeah 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 why like what how does that I don't understand like the connection between those two songs that would make that an appropriate thing to sample in there. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense to me. Like, what does Convoy have to do with the world's address? Uh, Joshua Fried seemed to have some connection. There's actually a yeah. great little uh, info page on this wiki I just found about the remix. And it yeah. says, contains what sound like collected samples, but in fact are spoken editions done specifically for this remix. Joshua yeah. fried on these homemade samples. At the time, I was making lots of vocal collages, and it seemed natural. And this was before sampling had quite taken over the way it did. So yeah, he was just sure. sampling himself talking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, again, it's like, again, uh, it probably makes sense why I thought of the BC Boys, because uh, when did... Oh, when did Paul's Boutique come out? I mean, that was 88 or 89, right? Or maybe Yeah, it was like right around then. And, yeah. and to me the to me the Beastie Boys have always been super cool in their production because they literally like do everything. Like they'll actually play instruments unlike a lot of of hip hop artists. You know, they came from, you know, like they had the, like a hardcore band before they did the rap stuff. Yeah, yeah. And and like making your own samples rather than just like finding stuff from records is like, sure, you can pull stuff from other people's music. But like if you're like, I want to sample something, but I can't find like this specific thing, I'll just record it myself and then sample myself. Like it, it seems like it's almost like a more punk DIY version of doing a remix where he's like, I'm just going to fucking make my own samples. Like, you know, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Something very cool about that. Uh, yeah. So, so really, I guess the convoy stuff and then the actual tracks, cause I'm wondering if, 
I mean, they might have giants must have sent him like the stems or whatever you would have called him back in the day to, to be able to do this. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I don't know how else you would have done it. I mean, he's, he's really like taking out very select parts and, uh, paging Mr. Saxophone, <laughs> Mr. Saxophone. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many little nuggets in this. And, and, What's also weird is maybe you found it weird back even when you were first hearing it is that for a, a song on a They Might Be Giants release to go almost six minutes yeah, is unheard of. <laughs> it's crazy long. Five minutes and 42 seconds. It dwarfs all the other songs by like three minutes. The lo- Yeah, let's see. The longest song on Lincoln... Oh, hey, Mister DJ! It's the longest song. Well, the, oh, the longest song on Lincoln is Anna Ng at three twenty three. They don't sure. even crack. They don't even crack three and a half. <laughs> and then, and then, yeah, hey, Mister DJ is three minutes and forty eight seconds. So they don't even hit four minutes, let alone five, let alone almost hitting six. Yeah, five forty two. Yeah, it's well, because then it does that whole part that's like really has very little to do with the song. Like, what do you think about those first couple minutes? Like, because it's just that, that big beat and that little, like, almost like Middle Eastern yeah, that, like, kind of. Middle Eastern part, which is like, why is that there? Who knows? Yeah, because that's not taken from the original. That's just something else. I mean, I don't know. Maybe, I'm wondering if maybe when he remixed it, he started with, like, that Latin part. And then mm-hmm. ended up coming up with this other thing. And he's like, I'm going to start with that, even though it's not very true to the original. But I suppose like there weren't as many rules with remixes as maybe there are now, like what you're supposed to do in a remix. So I guess when you're kind of setting the template for like what a remix is, you can kind of do whatever you want. You're like, what's a remix? I don't know. I'm just going to fuck with this They Might Be Giant song for a little while. <laughs> yeah. He, he fucked with it hard. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, just listening to it today, I think maybe I took for granted how weird it was just because I've known, I've been listening to it for over 20 years. So to me, it almost started to seem normal. But then if you really think about it, like all the elements that are in it, like, damn, like it must have taken this dude forever to make this remix because this is not just some slap together thing, like especially with the recording his own samples and all that. Yeah, and it was all analog back then, so it's not like yeah. digital. It's not like Pro Tools. Like he's probably doing that shit on tapes. Yeah, I think yeah. that's why it sounds so good. And like maybe, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, like slowing down tapes, or I'd imagine he'd have you know Lincoln on on vinyl, or maybe he had. I don't know. Would you have like put the stems onto a record and then like scratched with the stems? Because there's like Perhaps. all that. Yeah, yeah. And then switches like tempos. It's so crazy. Yeah. It is really pretty awesome. And it's weird. Remixes. What do you think of remixes in general? Like when uh, I was just listening to a Ravenette's record. I don't know if you know them. Not really? Um, they're like a Danish kind of like fuzz pop band, but mm. they'll have like some kind of. I mean, they use primarily drum machines, so they kind of lend themselves to remixes pretty well. Uh, and usually when they release an album, they'll put out like a deluxe streaming edition that has a couple of remixes. And half the time, I'm like, yeah, this is okay, sure. And then half the time, I'm like, ah, why bother? Right, yeah. Remixes often feel so throwaway. Yeah. But sometimes there's some really special ones. I remember getting into Block Party yeah, they, they remixed the first Block Party record, and some of the remixes I like better than the originals. Oh, the whole record? 
Yeah, they like had a bunch of friends like remix the first Block Party record, you know. That's I a think, great record. Yeah, it certainly is. And there's some great remixes on there. I think Mogwai contributed and like Oh wow. Death from Above 1979 contributed. That's cool. And there's some cool stuff. Same with uh, minus minus the bear did a similar record where they remixed mm. the whole uh, Manasal Oso record, and some of those are like not worth listening to, but some uh-huh. of them are fantastic. But I think you yeah, just have I've... to know like what the heart and soul of the song is, and then like play into it or something. Yeah, yeah. Like one band. Well, hell, you guys have released stuff on Polyvinyl. You're familiar with Architecture and Helsinki? A little bit. I should really get more into them because they're fantastic. Oh God! Yeah, the they there was a whole. The, my favorite album of theirs is called "In Case We Die," and like um, Polyvinyl. Since like I haven't had to buy anything from Polyvinyl in like fifteen years because of Punk News. Like they just send me everything. Oh, cool! And uh, Sub Pop too. They're like really, really awesome. Um, and did I review this? That so the the, the album was called um, "In Case We Die." Which and they're they're an Australian band and it's like kind of everything in the kitchen sink kind of band. There's like, I mean, it's kind of like the world is a beautiful place, whereas in there's a million members that play a million instruments, except they're an indie pop band and not an emo band. Sure, super good record, but like the uh, so they someone put out a whole remix record called We Died. They re- they remixed. Let me see. Did I review? I've been doing shit for punk music so long. I can't even remember. <laughs> All like maybe, yeah, maybe maybe I like, I got it in the mail and I was like, eh, I don't like this. I'm just not going to review it, and hopefully no one will call me out for it. <laughs> uh, we died. They remixed. Let's see. Did I review this? Um, nope. It looks like I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you remember even, it though. I wonder if I even kept the CD. <laughs> Architecture. Yeah, they're seriously they're they're great though. They they became a very dancey electronic kind of band and they lost a lot of like the like they would have all this brass and saxophones and like Right, I've heard some of that stuff. Like junk percussion and xylophones and all that like just everything. Um and then they just kind of went synthy, which I, I I like synths, but it wasn't what I was listening to them for. <laughs> really good. Anyway, we're completely off topic there, yeah. but I would check. I would check out. I, who cares? I would check out there. Check out Architecture in Helsinki. Hell, people can hit the fast fast forward fifteen seconds. They can just hit all the yeah. way through that. It's all digital. It's It's, it's free. Yeah. It's fucking, what, what do you want? What do you want from me? <laughs> uh, so let's see. Is w- anything else we want to touch on with the track before we listen to a cover or two? Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's really not a whole lot in the way of trivia on the wiki. Like some of these old songs, like if you get to a big song, like Anna Ng has like full pages of shit about about the song. 
Yeah, yeah. This song, like, it didn't have a video. Um, a little, little mysterious. <laughs> yeah, which is another reason why it's weird that he picked it for a remix. Like, you think he would have picked, like, Don't Need a Crane or uh, yeah, yeah, know, right. one of the singles off of Lincoln, like Purple Toupee. Um, were there any other weird uh, interpretations on the wiki that, that you liked? <laughs> um, there's so many. I have read them lots. All. Yeah, I mean, yeah, people like to talk about this one because it's so bizarre. Yeah. Something I saw that was interesting was somebody made a parallel to the song Puppet Head. Um, uh-huh. I guess it's kind of like it kind of exists in the same world as that song being Puppet Head as a metaphor. For the uh-huh. same phenomenon, the perceptual quote world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean, this, the whole theme of this song and some of these other early songs are kind of very angsty and like yeah. is- isolated, but like they're really trying to force a smile on their faces with this like weird piano riff that sounds like too happy. I don't yeah. know. I, yeah. I just love that vibe. I, I always have. Yeah, that's that's something that I think just became so ingrained in my own songwriting where I will always be a student of pop songwriting and love things that are just catchy as hell, but then the lyrics <laughs> can't be as happy as you think it's going to be. The uh, lyrics need to be about something depressing uh, just to even it out. Like that juxtaposition is just w- is where it's at. Like, like songs that sound angry and the lyrics are about angry things, it's just like that's just too easy it's too nail on the head mm-hmm. or if it's too poppy and it's all happy the, the venga bus is coming so everybody <laughs> jump i don't know why that came into my head but like imagine if like you took the music from venga bus but then you made it about existential dread <laughs> i would listen to that record every day <laughs> right right like imagine the music from mambo number no. five another latin uh tinged song hmm. but influenced you, maybe but, by they might be giants <laughs> right but then you made it but then you made it about all these women that hate you <laughs> yeah that, that'd be a great tune it'd be a lot more interesting instead of one of the worst songs ever put yeah. to tape probably a lot less radio play but you know <laughs> yeah God, i hate that hate that fucking song <laughs> that's, that's oh awful. my god someone put it on, god last time i went bowling someone put it on the bowling alley like they put it on like four times in a row to just oh, like man. just like piss everyone off and it worked <laughs> that's a that's a good prank god damn it <laughs> God, and someone, I don't know, I wonder if it's the same person, because I went there again around Christmas, and they kept playing that fucking uh, um, Mariah Carey, what was it, Christmas, that really big Christmas song she did. Oh, yeah. Oh, God, over and for, over. All I want for Christmas is you. Something, yeah, I think it was that one, because even the guy at the desk, like, the guy, like, spraying shoes down, he's like, whoever's doing that, stop fucking playing that song. <laughs> yeah, you've got a troll at your bowling alley, dude. <laughs> now that they got those knows. internet jukeboxes you can just queue up anything oh those are the best oh yeah but it, it's kind of a lost art though like the very cool curated jukebox that you used to find at bars you right know? yeah yeah with the cool cds I, in it i kind of miss that where you'd flip through and be like oh that's great that's great that's great so it's, it's a little less fun when you can just queue up anything mm-hmm. Um, but I guess you could queue up the world's address Joshua Fried remix uh, next yeah. time I go bowling. <laughs> Might just throw that on, you know. Yeah, <laughs> I guess let's use that as a segue to like the few the the covers. So this this cover I found 
Um, by let's see, the YouTube user is Lawrence plays music. Great, very descriptive. Descriptive name. I, let me send you a link to this and see just how hard it is to cover this on guitar. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what is the guitar part? I guess I'll find y- out. You'll see. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's that's pretty cool. <laughs> beginning he's just doing like a c chord shape that's climbing up yeah those are weird chords His singing style is an interesting. Yeah, I'm happy to report that I'm view number 200 on this video. Hell yeah, I gave it its first like. Nice. Yeah, give it a, give it a second like there. Boom, got him. But I commend him. I mean, that's a weird song to play on guitar. Yeah, really weird. He's doing a really good job. I can't see his hand, but I think he's finger picking. Yeah, I think so. He also looks very sad. <laughs> yeah, but like he made sure to, to make sure the camera's pointing at his collection of guitars, including yeah, a twelve he's... string acoustic. <laughs> not not many not everyone owns a twelve string acoustic, but uh, <laughs> why not? If you really like the birds or something. True. Uh, so, so let's see what so I was looking and I think it's just maybe a song that's too hard to cover. I mean, someone who's really good at piano, I'd like to see take a stab at this. Yeah, somebody like rip it. Yeah, I can't find that was that is the only cover that I can find. Let's go ahead and do a why not? Let's do a bandcamp uh oh, nice. search. Because there's this guy that does all these they might be giant songs on Mario Paint music. Whoa, that's cool. <laughs> On Bandcamp, this guy did like a whole, and then he compiled them into a whole album, and like half of them are They Might Be Giants, but there's like Adam and His Package, there's like all these Aww. really good, let's see, the world, yeah, you sh- I should find him for you, it's really good. Okay, Adam and His Package out. is a good analog to They Might Be Giants, I think, like, that's a dude that was doing similar shit in a punk scene. Yeah, dude, yeah. I, I booked him once, I booked him with Harmar Superstar in 2002. 2000? Ooh, that sounds like a rowdy show. In Davenport, Iowa? Dude, it fucking was, yeah. I got a couple of local bands, and yeah, so Davenport, Iowa, right on the river mm-hmm. there, and it was him and Harmar, and so it was a two-band bill that was touring in an SUV, because it's just the two guys. Yeah, two guys on their laptops or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and the guitar. Uh, I think Adam was still rocking the, it, it wasn't the package, but it was when he had a box with the CD player in it. Awesome. <laughs> So it was like a box with some lights on it and uh, and a disc man. <laughs> That's so cool. And yeah, and then we had the opening act because uh, yeah, because I booked it. I remember talking to the Hopeless Records is I think who put out that one. Um, and I think I even talked to him like on the fucking phone or something. I mean, it's, it, this was nineteen years ago. Yeah. And and then there was this guy that contacted me, he's like, yeah, I was wondering if I could open the show. I'm like, Oh, what kind of music? He's like, Oh, it's not music. It's like a variety show. I'm like, what are you talking about? (laughs) So we, we ended up having, we ended up having a guy fucking juggling 
juggling fire sticks on a unicycle inside. Wow. Opening up for <laughs> Armar and Animus. <laughs> That's perfect. That's a perfect show. <laughs> Now that we're Facebook friends, I should show you this photo of me at age 19 with Adam and Harmar. It's pretty, <laughs> pretty hilarious. You could tell it got super hot inside there. I mean, it was a, it was a coffee shop, but it had like a really high ceilings or else it would have set the place on fire. Jesus. Um, but yeah, I'm like, we're like all just like really hot and Adam just looks really tired. <laughs> like, hey, take a picture with me. He's like, fine. <laughs> you did, I, saw Wesley, uh... I saw Wesley Willis at the same venue. No way. Awesome. Yeah, fuck yeah, man. It was great. There's some yeah. benefits to being old. I can say I've done weird shit like that that <laughs> would not... I mean, R.I.P. Wesley Willis. I mean, this stuff... R.I.P. Adam's package. So he did reunite at Fest, didn't he? I saw him at Fest, and it was awesome. It was so cool. Him in the package, kissed and made up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like It, it was just a blast for everybody involved. So good. I mean, Armalite put out that one really good record, but now he's just like being a scientist and a dad or something. I yep. don't know. <laughs> totally. Being a family man. That's cool, I guess. I think I found a cover. Oh, really? Let's see. Let's see. Okay, the world's address. Oh, boy. Okay, here we go. I think this is one. So this looks like it's an international thing. Yeah, it's the sound of Apscraft Multimedia Avant-Garde oh, Worldwide Collective. This is a ska yeah. cover. Oh my god. Okay. This is sick. This is great. Yeah, it sounds really good on organ. <laughs> Bizarre. <laughs> so it looks like there's a whole album here. Appscaft presents. They might be giants. Yeah, here you go. Oh, I'm gonna have to tap into this later. We got Stompbox, Boat of Car. Who would Ooh, cover Boat, Boat of, of Car? car? That's awesome. Older, Man, It's So Loud in Here. That's one of my favorites. 32 Footsteps, Birdhouse, of course, Dr. Worm. Oh, we missed that on the Dr. Worm episode. I never found that. Man, It's So Loud in Here. We're the replacements. The Creature That Ate Sheboygan. I was in a band called The Dick Cheney That Ate Sheboygan for a while. <laughs> but we spelled Sheboygan with a C, so it would be D-C-A-C instead of A-C-D-C. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah, that's pretty deep. And ang, let... Letter shapes. What? Hmm. Um, meet James Ensor. Okay. Wow. I'm going to have to check this whole thing out. Free download. All right. Here we go. <laughs> Downloading it now. <laughs> the boat of car cover is really weird. <laughs> I'm listening to of it right course. now. Of course. Yeah. How could it not be? Yeah, he's saying <laughs> All right. Well, let's, you know, hey, we, we lucked out with that. Let's do a SoundCloud search. The world's address. See, this is why the episodes are so long. <laughs> the internet is amazing. Seriously. But again, I'm just enough older than you that, like, you probably never, well, I don't know. Do you remember having dial-up internet when you were little, little? Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I remember when internet, like, first came to my house. I was like, seven. it was really weird. So stoked on it. Yeah, I remember going on message boards talking about, uh, 
because I'm a, I'm a White Sox fan, and okay. I would go yeah, on yeah. there and fucking curse at Cubs fans and get kicked off. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> Ryan Samick fucking sucks. <laughs> That's it. You're like, out of here. The moderator would be like, you're kicked out. <laughs> and if I remember correctly, this seems so bizarre to me, but I think Prodigy, even like if someone like kicked you out of something like that, it like revoked your internet access as a whole. Like, I feel like I couldn't even get on the internet for 24 hours. Like, it was just Holy like, shit. Yeah. Like, wow. can you imagine that today? Where it's like, if you were trolling someone online and like, rather than just getting like, oh, my Twitter account was temporarily banned. It's like, what if they're just like, Xfinity is just like, no more internet for you. That'd be pretty effective, <laughs> I think. Yeah. That would really do away with a lot of assholes. Holy cow. <laughs> Man. No more internet for you. No. Yeah. <laughs> People of a certain age would just like, there'd be like mass suicides because they just couldn't stand their life without being connected to <laughs> yeah. Snapchat and Instagram. Goddamn kids. They yell at the cloud. So I guess those are the only covers. Interesting. So all that's left to do is you need to score the song. I don't know if you'd listen to any episodes, but I'm going to make you score this song on okay. a scale of one to 10. For me, my scoring, and I never decide my score ahead of time because now that we've talked about it, I feel like I appreciate it even more. But my only 10 that I've given on an episode I've released, the only 10 I gave was for Dr. Worm. And for Anna Ng, I gave a 9.9 because I'm trying not to give everything a super high score. Lowest score I gave was for Black Ops at 5.9. So I'm trying to be critical of my favorite band. But so I'm going to make you score first, 1 to 10, and you can do decimals, like, like I said, and, uh, I mean, you picked a song, so obviously you like it, but where yeah. would you, let's go ahead and score them separately. Let's score the album track and the remix. Cause, cause even though it's a, they might be giant song, the remix, we could call it a Joshua fried song and we could go ahead and rank that score that too. So how would you score the Lincoln original version? So I think the original version is obviously more listenable and the song is fantastic. <laughs> like that's just the core song. I would give that song like an eight out of 10. Like I think Eight. that song is yep. great. And then the mm-hmm. remix, I love the remix so much, but I'm not gonna listen to that like every day. But I would probably still give it like a seven, seven out of ten. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, as far as re- if you're just ranking it again, like if you're ranking it against other They Might Be Giants tracks, it's probably gonna be lower. But if I were to give it a score comparing it to all the remixes I've ever heard, it mm-hmm. would be near the top because it is just so interesting. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Let's see. What am I going to give this? Okay, so The World's Address, the original. I'm going to give it... Shit, man. I like it more and more now that we're talking about it. That Latin feel is like... They've they've done... I mean, they can play any genre, and people aren't going to be like, what is this? Like they've, yeah. they've, They never painted themselves into a corner in any capacity, which is great for them. <laughs> These are guys that would be bored if it was like, you can only play songs that sound like the Malcolm in the Middle theme now. You're just <laughs> right. you're a, you're a power pop band. That's all you can do. Like they would probably like break up. Uh, but this this song like they don't go Latin a whole lot, so that makes it unique. The lyrics are totally crazy. It's kind of unique in that it's a song that Linnell wrote and handed off to Flansburg. I don't know there's a lot of it's got a lot of things going for it. I'm gonna give it a I'm gonna give it an eight point five. I don't think I would wow. have put it that high before I talked to you, but now I think I've. You've convinced me, and I've convinced myself that it's fucking incredible. <laughs> awesome. And the remix, yeah, I think 
I think because with my scoring, I've, I've, I'm definitely ranking the Mighty Giants songs against each other, so it wouldn't be as high. I'm gonna give it a, I'm gonna give it a, a six point two. That's fair. Great remix, but as far as the Mighty Giants songs goes, it's a weird one, and it's kind of it's yeah. I mean, it's hard to to say. I mean, I did used to skip it back in the day, but now that because it was so long, my attention span was nothing. <laughs> I was only listening to like Lagwagon and shit. Um, <laughs> so. Interesting. <laughs> On the Wikipedia yeah. or the They Might Be Giants wiki, they also rate them and score them. So yeah. the Joshua oh, Fried. Oh yeah. Okay. The Joshua Fried remix is ranked eight hundred thirty-two out of nine hundred. Super low. It's so low, and the rating is six point six six. Wow, appropriate. <laughs> but but wait, how many people have ranked it? Because if the number oh. of people that have ranked it is low, then I don't put as much weight into that. Let's see. Apparently, fifty-eight. Okay. Yeah. Here we go. I, okay, I already ranked it. I gave it a six, so that makes sense. I just All gave right. it a six point two. <laughs> uh, nice. So yeah, so that's incredibly low. Um, but again, I think people are probably like, it's not really the Mighty Giant song, which I guess weird. It's so mangled that it is pretty much not a They Might Be Giant song. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. So mangled, but that's what makes it a good remix. So the original is ranked two oh four out of nine hundred. So that's oh, actually much pretty higher. pretty high because yeah. they have so many good songs. I think Kraken two hundred is is like okay, that's like a classic you're gonna hear at a live show. So let's see, I'll go ahead and well, if I round up, I guess I got to give it a nine. They don't have decimals. Wow. Cast ra- cast rating. Mm, okay. So, yeah, 96 people have ranked it now. I guess I was number 96. Yeah. I think a lot of people, like, even that are on the wiki, don't realize that you can score songs. And you have to create an account, which doesn't, you know, there's really no reason why you wouldn't. And uh, it's fun to just go in there and start ranking stuff, especially when you find a song where you're like, this is criminally low. Like, like I've got a fang was episode two and yeah. I fucking love that song, but apparently other people are just like, huh. and so I'm like giving it a fucking 10 just to bump it up in the, <laughs> in the ratings. And it, it bumped it way up in the Wait rankings. The yeah, exactly. 10. What did I actually give it in the episode? I gave it a, uh, 8.3, sure, but as far as bumping it up, and I got to give it a 10 to skew the score on there. Yeah. Oh, man, good stuff. Okay, so I guess uh, that'll do it. We we cracked 100 minutes, so I think uh, that's oh, probably not, good. Not too bad. For a minute, for a song that's two and a half minutes. Though then the remix is almost six minutes, so I guess it's well, appropriately appropriately long episode. So uh, thanks thanks so much for being on, man. It's super Yo, fun. Thanks for having me. This is fantastic. I can't wait to yeah, listen dude. to more episodes. Yeah, you know what the the video on here looks a lot better now. You mind if I take one more screenshot because you were kind of pixelated at first. Just hold up that mug. We'll pretend like we're just starting. Yeah, caffeine. Oh, that's a cool mug. Yeah, it's not like that. Yeah, I can yeah. barely tell what was on it before. Yes. Okay. So, uh, any th- tell tell people where to find you and where to find the band. Tell people how to to, to listen to and connect with Pet Symmetry and and yourself. Whatever you'd like to plug. Absolutely. Uh, I'm on Twitter at New Cheese, which is N O O C H I E Z. That's my Twitter handle. And then I also pretty much run the Pet Symmetry Twitter, which is psmusic.com <laughs> is our <laughs> Twitter handle. Um, you have to spell out dot, right? Exact dot spelled out D O T. 
And uh, yeah, PetSim has been a little bit quiet this last year, but we're picking yeah, stuff up hell? in 2019, and we'll probably be coming around again soon. So keep your ear to the ground. Um, yes. I also play drums in a band called Rat Boys, and we'll be doing a big long tour with Pup later this year. So come see me play drums. Tight. Yeah. Yeah, man. This Might Be Podcast is engineered, mixed, mastered, produced by me. I do all of this stuff. We are hosted by punknews.org and are part of the Punk News Podcast Network. Please go listen to the OG Punk News Weekly Pod. It's a uh, roundtable focused on punk and rock and roll, but often discussing other genres. And uh, that uh, podcast is just called the Punk News Podcast. And then my other podcast through the punk news network is called best midwestern it is all about midwestern music with again with a focus on rock but we've been doing a state-by-state project and we just released our episode on south dakota we've already done episodes on north dakota missouri iowa indiana uh, michigan so go listen to those we talk about uh the history of music in the states talk about all kinds of genres and then get up to modern music with a focus on underground punk rock emo indie etc so check those out the punk news podcast bestman western podcast go check out punknews.org we post articles about these very episodes and you can chat with people on there as well Please call and leave us a voicemail, 224-801-2930. You can email us, too, at um, thismightbeapod at gmail.com. Hit us up on Twitter, at thismightbeapod, facebook.com slash thismightbeapodcast. Give us some feedback. What do you think? Tell us your opinions. I might have you on as a guest. But uh, thanks again, and uh, yeah, hell, if, if you or any of the other guys, or all three of you, I don't know if the other guys are, are fans, they might be giants, you they, can all come on an yeah. episode, yeah, and then we'll bullshit, and then if it's all four of us, it'd probably go like three hours long, but that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> perfect, perfect. Yeah. So uh, I guess with that, we will call it a day, and uh, yeah, thanks again. We'll see you later, Marcus. Awesome. See you, Greg. Thank you so much. And you know the world's address, the world's address.